Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. You've tuned into the after episode of a before and after birth story. My guest today is a scholar, an author, a wife, and a mother, now mother of two. And I'm Malika Tubbs. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my honor. I loved working with you. I loved chatting with you in the first episode. And I don't know your birth story. I'm very excited to hear it. Last time we spoke, you mentioned that your first birth experience was pretty empowering, that you originally had the thought that you don't have control over anything in labor and you just have to trust doctors to do everything for you. And it was the doulas who said, no, you do have control over things in your labor and you had a pretty empowered birth. Yes, I did. And when we spoke last, you were very, very pregnant. <laughs> I mean, really close to the edge. And you were planning for this time to not give birth in a hospital, but to give birth at home with a midwife and a doula. So let's start with this. How was the end of your pregnancy? It must have not been too much longer. Yeah, it was wonderful. But uh, she came seven days after her due date. So I was totally thrown off. My firstborn was three days early. And I'd heard this myth that the second comes earlier and comes faster. And so I was really expecting her to be early. <laughs> and so I was a little thrown off each day that passed. I was getting really excited. And then another day passed and another day passed. <laughs> But she came a week later. Uh, so the final little bits of my pregnancy were wonderful because I got some extra time with my firstborn that I wasn't expecting. So I just tried to stay patient. <laughs> I know mentally that's a challenge. How did you feel physically? Oh, good. I was really fortunate and thankful that, you know, I could still go to yoga. I was still moving around, still very comfortable. I was thinking a lot about women who, you know, those final stages can be really uncomfortable. And I think every day in that state would have been a lot harder, but I just kept saying, at least I feel really comfortable. I just have to be patient. Yeah. I mean, patience is the hard part, I think yeah. <laughs> for a lot of people. And then how did you keep yourself busy in those last days? I mean, you kept thinking it's coming. Were there signs like maybe that's it? Yeah. So it's interesting. My first birth was very textbook. Like everything happened. Like you could write this kind of birth experience of like the mucus plug falls out and then you have bloody show and then you have some period cramping. And then like everything was that for him. With this baby, I had some period cramping for a couple of weeks leading up to oh, wow. birth. So I kept thinking, okay, it's happening. It's going to happen today. It's going to happen today. And so even the day of I was having contractions in the morning, but I thought, mm, okay, this baby's been playing games with me for a while. I don't think it's happening quite yet. So it took me until I was really, really in labor to believe that it was the day. <laughs> what was your mindset in terms of the home birth? Was it pure excitement and anticipation or were you at all nervous about giving birth outside the hospital? I would say like 90% of it was excitement and pure joy that I was going to have this experience, but I definitely had a small part of me that was, I would say, impacted by the notion that maybe, you know, it's safer in a hospital or maybe doctors know better. There was a small part of me that was a little nervous and that if something went wrong, I would be blamed for making the decision to have a home birth. So I would say, yeah, like 90% was great, but there was definitely a small part of me that was a little nervous. When you say you would be blamed, were other people not on board with the idea? 
I would say, so my family, the first time around with my son, I wanted to do a home birth and my mom and my husband and my in-laws were all kind of like, this is your first time. Like maybe go to the hospital. We're all worried, et cetera. You're not going to know what to expect or what you should or should not feel. And so I didn't want to have a bunch of nervous people around me. So my compromise was that I would have my doulas there and do an unmedicated labor at the hospital. And then once I felt like, okay, I was able to do that. And everybody, you know, kind of was on board. <laughs> and the second time I said, I'm going to do a home birth this time. So it's just that I knew that they already had doubts from last time, but they weren't going to tell me, you know, what the excuse was last time was that it was my first time. This time they couldn't really say what it was that would make them nervous. So I just knew that they had some concerns around that. And I'm sure they wouldn't have blamed me, but there was something in the back of my mind that I just felt a little bit like, Hopefully everything goes well. But even, you know, for doctors, my OB was like, you know, my medical opinion is that you should do this at the hospital and things could go wrong. So it just felt like a lot of pressure. All right. So you said you were 90, 10, 90% excited, 10%, a little bit nervous. And even though they didn't say anything, would you guess that your mother and husband were like a little more skewed the other way? You know, I actually think it was more like my own projections of the, I don't know, fear that I worried about. But I think that my husband was really on board, especially after the first experience. He could see, you know, truly, I really was in control of the situation, that it was an incredible thing that a woman's body could do. And there wasn't a need for all this medical intervention. So he's actually somebody who I would say probably advocates a lot now for unmedicated labor and for home births when possible, because he tells all his friends about it. (laughs) Um, And he's like, it's really an incredible thing to witness. And he also now understands that there's not as much of a need for intervention as people think there should be. Um, yeah, in a low risk, healthy pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. How did you set up your home for birth? We have um, like a guest house, like in-laws quarters type of thing. So this is the room actually where I'm recording right now, where I gave birth. And it's also the room where I do all of my writing and all of my work. I just really love the space. There's like high ceilings and a lot of natural light and everything. And we have a bathtub. So I just had it ready with my home birth kit, had some candles, some massage oils ready. And yeah, and the bed was ready, you know, with a waterproof mattress cover and all of that. But for the most part, it's just the same as the room usually is set up. I mean, it sounds dreamy, like you have your own little birth center (laughs) back there. It's a nice area. (laughs) It's kind of my retreat generally and where I kind of go to have my own space and my own thoughts. So it's a really relaxing space. Okay. Were you planning to have your firstborn at this birth? Uh, I said if he was awake, yes, but I knew likely I was going to go, you know, into labor throughout the night. Same with him at the beginning of like the real labor where I knew for sure <laughs> the baby was coming with both of them started around 11 PM. So yeah. And I knew if he was asleep that obviously I didn't want to wake him just to participate. <laughs> right. Well, just in case he was awake, were there any things that you did to prep him? We talked a lot about, I mean, I just, he's only 22 months, so he doesn't quite have a ton of language yet. So I just kept telling him, you know, a baby's coming. My doula did recommend that I could make some of the noises I might make in labor in front of him before. I felt a little uncomfortable doing that. I I thought it would freak him out a bit. So I never really did it. But she said that that has worked for clients in the past. But otherwise, no, we just talked to him about it. And we showed him pictures of when he was first born and the things we did with him and his baby book. So he knew 
that everything he was about to see with his sibling was something that he also experienced. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out how labor started. We'll be right back with Anna Malika Tebbs. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Anna. So late, you, instead of not really late, but past your due date, must have felt quite late. How did things start for you? Um, so the, well, after all the period cramping that I'd had for several days <laughs> leading up to it, the morning of the morning before she was born, I should say, I had like some strong contractions happening, but they were like 30 minutes apart. So we actually went on a play date for our son. We were at the park with some friends and every 30 minutes, I just had a moment where I just needed to kind of be alone for a second and that I was fine. And then throughout the day, they started to pick up a little bit more. And then by like 5 p.m., we were thinking we were going to take our son to the park. But I said to my husband, maybe we'll just stay at home because they're getting a little closer together. But again, I don't want us to get too excited because it could stop. And they were about, I want to say like 15 minutes apart at that point. And then, though, when I put my son to sleep that night, because I thought, okay, this might be the last time that I could do this for a little while, that I can hold my 30-pound toddler, I'll put him to sleep. But my contraction stopped entirely for oh, about... Wow an hour and a half. And so when I came outside and after putting him to sleep, my husband had (laughs) chugged coffee and he doesn't even drink any kind of coffee, but he really thought the baby was coming. And I said, for your sake, I hope the contractions start again. And then they started again around like 10 PM about like, yeah, like there was an hour and a half in between and they were coming still only like 10 minutes apart but they seem to be getting stronger. So yeah, I don't know if you wanted to ask a question before I go into the rest of the story. Yeah, a couple <laughs> of questions. Um, first of all, when they were 30 minutes apart, was that a change from what had been happening a few days earlier? Yeah, it was no longer just like period cramping. It was like definitely like, I mean, I could hold myself together and I could talk through it. It's just that I could feel that they were more intense and mm-hmm. it wasn't like just like ongoing cramping. It was like something's happening in this minute and then it would stop. Mm-hmm. And also there was a rhythm to it. Like, yeah. even, even though it was spaced apart, it was, I wasn't fine. really timing them. I, it was just my estimate in my head that they were coming. Mm-hmm. And then did they feel reminiscent of your first almost going into labor? Yeah, they did. They did. And that's what I could kind of identify. Okay. We're moving past the period cramping stage. And then the other thing is, where did you feel them? In my lower abdomen. Oh, nothing in the back. No, in neither of my pregnancies have I felt, or in my labors, have I felt any back pain. Well, that's amazing. All right, so toddler's sleeping, husband's wired. 
<laughs> and then you start to have your contractions again around 10 30 or something like that p.m how does it go from there then i decide i'm gonna take a shower just to, i don't know why <laughs> i was like i just want to take a shower so i did that and got into bed and tried to kind of rest but then they were coming I want to say it was still like 10 minutes apart, but they were getting really, really painful and I couldn't really find a restful position. So at that point, I said to my husband, we should call my friend who was going to come over and be there in case Malachi woke up and then call my aunt who was going to fly from Colorado when she knew I was in labor and just to let them know it was possible, but to not get too excited because I didn't want my aunt to get here too early <laughs> and my contractions stop again. But we messaged them and then around midnight, I said, okay, I'm pretty sure this is happening. So my friend came over, we told my aunt to book her flight and we moved into the guest room. The birth center. Yes. Were you this whole time in touch with your doula and midwife? Yes. So I was texting them from that morning. So I didn't text them when I was having all the period cramping for days leading up to it because I kind of knew that could easily go away. But I had my appointments and everything. So I was keeping them up to date. But that morning I did text them and say, I think they're getting more intense. I still don't know if it's going to be today, but just to be aware. And then I updated them every couple of hours. Um, and they asked, you know, have you seen any mucus plug fallout or any bloody show? I said, no, none of that. But the cramping is just starting to become patterned. And then around 4 a.m. actually is when we told my doula to make her way here. But I did at 11 tell her they're getting more intense and I can't find a restful position. And she said, okay, you might want to start like moving into the right space and just let me know whenever you need me to come. She asked me multiple times, do you have enough support right now? Um, and I didn't want her to be here for too long. I think there's something special with just my husband and I laboring together. And then when it was time and I needed more pain management, I called her. Mm -hmm. With your first baby, it sounds like you said that the mucus plug came already by this time. Yeah. With my first, it was literally like the morning I woke up. The mucus plug fell out. I had a little bloody show and then the cramps like progressively just got, you know, into contractions and then he was born the next day. So seriously, textbook, like you did just, you could just write out all the steps. So I was really expecting that this time. So it was really throwing me off that I didn't have the earlier signs that I had with him. And then when you couldn't find a comfortable position, what did you do? That's when my husband started some of the techniques that our doula had taught him around putting, you know, the rebozo around my belly and helping to lift some of the pressure. I felt a lot of pressure in my lower abdomen and I just didn't want to lay down and I wanted to start moving, but I also knew it was early in the labor and I didn't want to exhaust myself by walking around the room and moving or getting on the exercise ball. So I just kind of alternated. I did some of them laying down. I got up and sat on a chair, you know, backwards and um, my husband lifted some of the pressure off and we just kind of worked through it as best as we could until I got to the point where I said, I need more techniques, more strategies. Like I need someone to be here to remind me of what else I can do. Cause this is getting really, really painful. When you were that uncomfortable, was it just during the searches or even between them? Even in between them, the pressure was really a lot in my lower abdomen. It just felt like something needed to move and I needed to do something to help it, but I just wasn't like in the right position to do that. And so when we called our doula, I think we must've called her around three and she said, I'm on my way. And she got here around four. 
Okay. Well, what happened when she got there? When she got here, she says she could tell like there was something that was about to shift in my mind. <laughs> it was like perfect timing for her to get here because she helped me just think about other ways that I could sit, other things I could do. A funny thing now, it was not super funny in the moment, but <laughs> we had done so much to get this room ready. And then like a couple of days before the birth, the power had gone out just in the guest house and we hadn't realized it, but that also meant that the water heater had been turned off. Oh no. And so she said, let's get in the shower. Like you need some hot water. And so I'm like, okay, sounds great. So I'm in the middle of something really painful and I get there and the water is freezing, freezing (laughs) cold. And so my husband says, oh gosh, what are we going to do? And my doula says, well, we need the hot water. She's going to need this. So you need to fix this. But in our family, I'm the handy person. My husband doesn't fix anything. (laughs) And so he walks outside. I was trying to be encouraging, but I said to her, I don't think he's going to know how to do this. We're probably gonna have to move into the main house. And he amazed me. He was like, I don't know how I figured this out, but I figured it out. He turned it on and the hot water was on within an hour. It obviously takes a while to heat back up, but I was amazed that he was able to fix something because honestly, most things I ask and he's like, I need to call someone. I'll call a task rabbit. Yeah. But at four in the morning, there's no one to call. No task rabbit at that time. My toolbox has two items in it, duct tape and <laughs> WD-40. So and- you get it. That's yeah. He doesn't have a toolbox. Oh, <laughs> I don't okay. think he knows where my toolbox is. <laughs> Okay, so you were not able to get into hot water, but she was able to help you get comfortable in other ways? Yes, just helping me remember there are other positions I can try. I could sit, you know, on the toilet backwards and like relieve some pressure. I could sit on my exercise ball. I could stretch out more, sit on the bed with different positions. So it's just, I feel like in that moment, it's hard to remember that there's other things you can do and you're more kind of stuck in the fact that another contraction is going to come and you're worried about what position you're in. But then she did say to me at one point, you know, like none of these are going to be 100% comfortable. You know, like we're not going to find something where you're like, oh, that contraction was easy. But she said, let's just focus on what's most comfortable for you right now. And that was helpful, like a helpful reminder that, okay, yeah, I'm going to just have to ride these waves, but hopefully I can try a few different ways of getting there. I feel like I've been to births where I get there before the doula. And then somehow when the doula walks in, if you have a great bond with your doula, it's just like a level of calm before they even say or do anything. I think so too. I think it's just comforting to know they're there. And there's also something I would say about the female energy. If your doula is also, and has gone through a labor that, you know, my husband might not have that same energy with me or understand what I need to hear Um, as much as he's helping or trying or saying, there's just something about knowing like, okay, she's done this too. (laughs) It was a feeling that I was happy to have her comfort there. Yeah. That's my observation as well. All right. So once the hot water is fixed, then I get in the shower (laughs) immediately as soon as I could. Um, So I think by that point it was like five something and I don't know what time it was, but From that point on, I remember being pretty much in the bath, like forever, the rest of the labor. She wasn't born until eight in the morning. So I just spent several hours in the bath. I think I tried getting out at one point and then thought, no, I want to go back in. That's definitely where I feel most comfortable. And then just had a bunch of different positions in the bath as well. I was laying down or I got up on my knees and hands. But the thing was that was really confusing was that, again, it was so different than my first labor in that. In my first one, they progressed in a way that, again, you could predict. They got to the point where they were like two or three minutes apart. They were getting really intense, et cetera. With this labor and my water broke at some point. This time, my water didn't break. I I was waiting on this other sign that something was going to happen. And 
my contractions only stayed about seven minutes apart. So I thought that I wasn't progressing and it was kind oh. of freaking me out. <laughs> I thought I was stuck in some kind of purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> and so my doula and midwife said, no, you're progressing. We can tell these are getting more intense, but I kept thinking nothing's happening. Like, can somebody check my cervix? And they said, we don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. It's not a necessary check. Like things are moving. Your body knows what it's doing. But I was really freaking out, but I was stuck there forever. <laughs> Before we take a quick break, one question about the water, because you said you were in there and then you got out and you're like, no, no, I got to get back in there, which is another thing that you kind of observe at home birth, not for everybody, but often enough. Can you describe the kind of relief that you got just from being in warm water? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to describe because obviously I was still in a lot of pain, but it was more so like in the middle in between the contractions. It was like I could release a little bit more outside of the water. I was holding the tension, even if I wasn't having a contraction, you could just, I think, see it probably on my face. I could feel it in my shoulders. And my doula kept saying, you need to let it go before the next one comes. And I just was having a really hard time doing that. But when I was in the water, it was easier for me to remember to soothe and kind of fall out of it so that I could get ready for the next one. I mean, lucky for us, you seem to remember a lot of detail, but does that mean <laughs> that you were kind of in your head or at some point did you start to let go of that? I was very much in my head this time around in a way that I wasn't the first time. The first time, I think the fact that the contractions kept getting closer and more intense I was almost in like so much pain constantly that I left my body like as a survival technique this time because I had seven minutes in between, which is actually quite a blessing when I think about it now. But because in my head thought nothing was happening, I was kind of scared that it was going to be a really long labor. And I was kind of upset at all these people who said, oh, the second baby comes really <laughs> fast. <laughs> Because for me, both my labors were about 24 hours long. And I kept saying to them, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then I'd fall asleep in between my contractions and then wake up and again, say nothing's happening and then fall asleep again. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get the rest of the story. Welcome back to the Important Pregnancy Podcast with Anna, who's uh, in the bathtub, not progressing in her own mind because <laughs> the contractions are still seven minutes apart and not getting closer together. Um, this whole thing started around midnight, right? When things picked up and then 4 a.m., your doula came. When did the midwife come? Ooh, that's such a good question. I cannot tell you what time it was since she got there. I'm guessing, though, it was like maybe an hour and a half after my doula. And I think it's because my doula said, I remember kind of hearing her on the phone and she was saying her contractions are still far apart, but I think she's progressing. And I don't remember the words exactly, but like, she was like, she's about to transition basically. And my midwife later told me that when she got there, I was like transitioning into active labor. So did it feel good to hear your doula say that? Yeah, there was a, this thing that I just need these. And I said it in my first labor a lot too. My doulas kept reminding me that I said this like throughout the whole labor that I needed checkpoints. Like I needed to know, <laughs> am I getting any closer? I'm the kind of person, you know, if I'm going to do a workout, just tell me how long it's going to be so I can mm. kind of check things off. And so, planner. yeah. You're a planner. You like to plan things out. Yeah. I just need to know like, okay, good. Here's the goal. I'll do anything that's super hard. It's fine. I just need to know that there's, you know, I've reached a point. <laughs> 
Oh, no, totally. Yeah. My coach, when I was on the wrestling team, he'd be like, okay, you got to do whatever, 30 of these. And then you kind of save your energy and spread it out over 30 or whatever. Yeah. But then if only labor, if only someone could tell you ahead of time, like, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> first of all, that would be great. But that's exactly right. Because sometimes he would just to torture us, not tell us how many we're going to do. And it, uh, it drives me crazy. And yeah. And that's kind of a labor always is. Mm-hmm. All right. So a uh, midwife comes and it sounds to me a little bit like you were kind of leaving your mind behind a little bit at that time, because that's where things start to get fuzzy for you. Yeah, I really don't fully remember her. Like I remember her walking in. I remember saying, hi, Debbie. <laughs> um, and they kind of laughed that I for a moment just was, you know, trying to be pleasant and say hello. <laughs> I do remember, too, that I was kind of like, arguing with them when I was having like interactions where I was like nothing's happening and they're like things are happening I'm like no it's not when she got there though I came out of the bath now that that brings back a memory and I laid down because she said do you want me to check you I will check your cervix if you want me to check at this point and I said I really want to know like is anything happening and she checked me and I was at like a seven and that brought me so much relief to know that I had moved on (laughs) and I wasn't stuck at a three or something like that. And then though, I kept asking, she would check me again. And she said, no, Uh we're not going to keep checking you. It causes you discomfort because it was painful. You know, cervix checks are really, really painful. And I kept asking her though, like, why hasn't my water broken? Why hasn't my water broken? And so we got to a point. um, So this must've been now around like 7.50 a.m. And I said, please just like, can you break the bag? Because like, you know, I haven't seen a water break. And she said, well, maybe it broke in the bath, but I'll check. And so she said, okay, no, I do still feel the bag, but it's really small. I'm going to break it right now. And then as soon as she did that, I said, I need to push. It's time. But I got out of the water. I don't know why, but like instinctually, I just got out of the water and sat on the toilet and started pushing. After she checked you the first time when you were seven centimeters, you got back in the tub. Yeah. Then I got back in the water. Okay. That's my memory of it. That like I was in the water, I got out and then I got back in. (laughs) And so when she checked you the second time for the bag, you were in the water. I was in the water when she checked and broke the bag and broke the bag in there. And then you felt like that's it. I got to push. Yeah. I was like, I need to get out of the water, but I don't know why I felt like I couldn't push in the water, but there was something in my brain that was like, get out of the water and push. Okay. So where did you start pushing? So I sat on the toilet, started pushing and literally five minutes of pushing and she came. Oh, wow. I mean, that one pretty quick once it started happening, right? So first of all, up until that point, was there any doubt in your mind? Like maybe I not going to be able to do this? No, there wasn't any doubt. I was just sort of like, there's obviously only one way out of this and <laughs> I just want it to come sooner. And, you know, I started to get to the point where I was sort of like, just pull the baby out. Like I'm good. And I'm ready to be done with all of this. I don't want to do this anymore. And I said that a couple of times, I just kept saying to my husband, I'm so tired. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so tired. And all three of them just kept saying, you've got this, you're strong. You're almost there. You're almost there. But I kept getting annoyed with them that they kept saying I was almost there because I was like, okay, you can't keep telling me that. And I need somebody <laughs> still- to tell me. Was it different? Like after the baby came out, uh, first of all, was there an intensity while the baby was coming through? Oh, for sure. I mean, that intensity that you feel like you just have to push and there's nothing else you can do other than push. It was very, very intense. I did not realize it was only five minutes. I thought I'd been pushing for much longer. 
But my midwife was like, it was amazing how quickly you pushed her out. And I kept yelling, like, just pull it out, pull out. <laughs> Are you still said, sitting on the toilet? At that yeah, time? I sit. well, I was kind of standing at that point. Like okay. I was just kind of letting my body take over. So I was kind of arching and standing and whatever position that I just felt like this would be fastest. <laughs> And then the video, it's really funny because for some reason, my husband and I both thought we were having a boy. I hadn't said what I thought, but he had kept telling me that it was a boy. So I thought, okay, our midwife thought it was a boy. Our doula thought it was a boy. And so when they handed me the baby, I said, oh, another boy. And that's what I said. And then <laughs> Debbie said, oh, well, did any of us check? And so she turns the baby around and we have this really beautiful video of the moment where we all go, oh my God, it's a girl. <laughs> and it was such a beautiful surprise. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Speaking of everybody thinking you're having a boy, uh, <laughs> we made some predictions at the end of the initial podcast before you gave birth this time. And I was way off. Yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of when the baby was going to come, you were thinking 10 days before your due date. Mm -hmm. So and we were a week days. after. Yeah. But uh, I think a lot of times it's also wishful thinking. Like, I hope my baby comes 10 days. <laughs> But maybe it won't. In terms of duration of labor, last time was 14 hours, right? Yeah, well, it's hard to count. I counted from like really intense contractions, but technically it was also like 24 hours because I did have like an early contraction the morning before, but I don't really know how to count them. Which one was the first one was you're saying about 24? Hours? Yeah, when I told Debbie how I was counting it, like my 14 hours, she said, but did you know that morning? And I said, well, yeah, I did have bloody show. And she's like, that was 24 hours. <laughs> oh. Okay. This time you predicted seven hours. I was totally off. It was another 24 hour one. Oh, wow. Buy one, get one. Okay. More uh, people need to tell that story though. So people don't think their second is going to be it's that fast. always <laughs> going to be super fast. I mean, what you said really was that you did research and based on the research, you were expecting it to be faster. And that's typically true, but not always true. Yeah. And, uh, you're living proof. So <laughs> in terms of weight, your first baby weighed 8.3 pounds mm -hmm. and you were predicting about the same. It was 8.8. Oh, so you're right. Yeah, I wasn't too off on that one. <laughs> I mean, that's within the close to the margin of error. Yeah. So uh, so it works. And then truthfully, you said you didn't really have a thought on what the sex might be, but that the midwife was thinking boy. Yeah, I think because my firstborn is a boy, there was something in me that was sort of like, if we have another boy, amazing, you know, great. I just wouldn't have been surprised. And I think there was a surprise element to having a baby girl. Other than having a functional water heater from the outset, is there, looking back, anything you would do different in a future birth? Ah, I really don't think so. I loved it, even though, you know, I was like arguing with my midwife and doula throughout. It was so special. And, you know, that thing about birth is like, it's so hard throughout, but then as soon as you're holding your baby... And I kept saying to myself, you know, like, what kind of crazy person does this twice? You know, I said, I said to my husband, I'm never doing this again. But then as soon as I could hold her, I thought that was perfect. Everything about that was perfect. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congratulations to you. We should say this. How old is the baby today? As of The recording? baby is now 12 days. 
12 days old. You're amazing for taking a moment to share the story with us while it's still fresh. You're very powerful and inspirational and your birth story is very powerful and inspirational. And yeah, I mean, after watching people give birth, I always felt like a little bit of a wimp when I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to go do this. (laughs) But now it's like, I have no excuse in the world. All right, let's recap one thing. Where can we find you online? Because you have an amazing book out and more coming. Thank you. Yeah, my book is called The Three Mothers, How the Mothers of Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, and James Baldwin Shaped the Nation. And you can find it anywhere books are sold, but definitely support independent bookstores if you can. And I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. And the handle is Anna's, A-N-N-A-S, and then underscore T, T-E-A with another underscore. Amazing. Anna, thanks again. And at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you want to connect with us, come out to Instagram at Dr. Berlin. It's D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N.